Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg, presented by Clear. Enroll today at clearme.com slash Peter and try Clear at the busiest airports nationwide.
Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. This week, a look at the still confusing pandemic travel rules around the world. I'll speak with Leo Morani from The Economist magazine on the ever changing protocols and how to navigate them. And it's also a bit confusing at 35,000 feet, as commercial airline pilot Greg Morris reports. And then we'll talk about the growth of travel agents as a direct result of the pandemic and why this has happened. The answer is actually quite simple and might actually surprise you, according to Matthew Upchurch the CEO of Virtuoso. First up, from The Economist, Leo Morani. Graduation is a sweet occasion, but finding the perfect gift can be a bitter struggle. MMS.com has a solution, personalized M&Ms. Just imagine the look on your grad's face when they receive a custom candy creation featuring their school's colors, name, and even their photo printed right on some M&Ms. It's a thoughtful way to celebrate their accomplishments and make the occasion even more special. Visit MMS.com to create your own personalized gifts and party favors for graduations, weddings, birthdays, and more. That's MMS.com. Use code WONDERY to receive 15% off your next order. Hello, Leo. Hello, Peter. So how bad is it? Peter, it's a nightmare. It's a complete nightmare. In the past uh, month, I have been in five or six countries, and every country has its own rules. They're baffling. You have to waste enormous amounts of time looking this this stuff up, uh, filling in various baffling forms, grappling with different people's terrible technology. And by the time you get to the check-in gate, do you remember, Peter, in the old days, you showed up at the check-in gate. Let's say you're traveling internationally. You show your passport. You show your boarding gate. That was it. Your boarding pass. That was it. Now you show those two things. You also show some silly forms. Often you have to show a negative COVID test. Then you have to show your vaccination status. Sometimes they don't recognize it because of which country you're from. It takes forever. It's baffling. You can't get anywhere. Well, let me give you one more baffling thing. I've been traveling about 300,000 miles since July of 20. And I have filled out more forms than I think anybody. I'm amazed I even have a nose left from all the testing. But, but here's my question on the forms. You're on an airplane and the flight attendants come down the aisle and say, you must fill out this form before you land. It's a requirement. So you fill it out. Uh, when you land, there's another form to fill out. You fill that out. Many times they'll ask for a QR code. You have to fill something out online. You have, of course, as you mentioned, your vaccine proof, which would be your vaccination cards, or in some cases, a digital pass. But here's the crazy part. You filled out all these forms that you were told you must fill out. And then nobody asks to see them. It is so frustrating. It is so frustrating. The amount of money I have spent on COVID tests that nobody has looked at. Hundreds upon hundreds of pounds, Peter. So here's what this is. And, Sorry, and based on. on the forms that you get, by the way, based on, and I'm not suggesting that anybody does this, but based on the forms that you get and the way that they're emailed to you, it seems to me they're easily forgeable. Mm-hmm. They are easily and, you know, with, and which and which counter agent is going to know the difference? It's I'm a little that worries me. So Peter, you remember after nine eleven we introduced all of these rules, and again in two thousand and six we introduced all of these rules, and we're adhering them to them even today. The likelihood of something exactly like nine eleven happening is very very slim, but we adhere to these rules because we're used to them. In fact, I distinctly remember at a previous job. Um, a younger worker was shocked that they didn't ask her to take off her shoes. Um, and the older workers, amongst whom I must sadly count myself, um, were reasonably amused about this. Similarly, well, what we're looking yeah. at now is theater. I, I agree with you. Look, let's go back to the shoe bomber. 
right? On that flight from, uh, from Madrid to Miami or from Amsterdam to Miami, I forget which one it was. And thank God he got caught and thank God nothing happened. But we've been taking off our shoes ever since. Uh, well, you right. have. In Europe, thankfully, we're not. But yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, we're sort of fighting the last war. But that's precisely it, Peter. In in America, you have to take off your shoes, right? In Europe, you do not have to take off your shoes. In much of Asia, you don't have to take off your shoes. The problem here is the lack of, not just the lack of sense in that, are these things proportional and do they make sense to solve the problems we're trying to solve? But the other problem, a sort of much more obvious problem, is the lack of standards. To get around the world, you have passports, right? Like you have a passport, I have a passport. Some guy in Somalia has a passport. Some guy in Afghanistan has a passport. When you show up at the border in London, whether you have a passport from uh, Somalia or from the or from Canada, they look at it, they accept it because all passports adhere to a certain standard. The big problem with this whole vaccine stuff is that there are no standards. Everybody's just doing their whole thing, which is why we're in the mess that we're in. Everyone's doing their whole thing on what vaccine you've got and how to verify that. Everybody's doing their own thing on what the requirements are to enter a country. Nobody can agree on what actually is an epidemiologically sound way of ensuring that the people who enter uh, pose no risk, or pose low risk, I should say, to the society in which they're about to come in. And so I have to ask the devil's advocate question. Given the situation that you've just reported on, we're talking, by the way, to Leo Morani from The Economist, what's the upside here? When is it going to get any better? So it will get better. Uh, it will get better, I can tell you that. And I will tell you why. Uh, like you, I have traveled a lot over the past year and a half during the pandemic, and it was a lot worse. It was a lot worse before this. I'll give you the example of Britain, which used to require three tests after you came back one on day two one on day eight and one on day five that was optional you could pay extra to do that if you wanted to leave quarantine early now largely you don't have to quarantine so long as you can show proof of vaccination so that's a big improvement right other improvements are happening the european union as you point out every country has different requirements nonetheless the one way in which it is unified is that it has a single unified health pass which is fine for Europeans traveling within Europe. It's not fine for others. If I go in there as a Brit with uh, my NHS app, um, that until very recently was not recognized. Now it is. So very slowly what is happening is different countries around the world are starting to bilaterally recognize each other's documents. The problem is that these are bilateral things, and that's no way to solve a global problem. So here's what I think the world needs. Back in 1920, after the last massive pandemic and after the First World War, uh, governments around the world had you know, sh put up restrictions on their borders and stopped people from coming in. And it became really messy. So in 1920 or 21, I forget which one, the League of Nations, which is the precursor to the United Nations, organized a an international convention on passports and travel documents. And they came up with a standard, which is why today all of us can travel around the world with our documents no matter where they're issued. And that's what we need now for vaccine passports, because I think we need to accept, Peter, these things are not going anywhere. They're not going away. What we need to do is make them better and interoperable. And of course, we need to at least try to explain to governments that there's an entrepreneurial opportunity here to work together to come up with this one common thread, because it's not a question of how much something costs. It's really a question of how something is worth, because... They're losing out with so many people who are waiting hours and hours and hours uh, before we even had the opening of the of the of the of the, uh, of the borders, and now it's a question of who's going to honor documents 
and in, and in what countries? Absolutely. I am traveling to the United States uh, in a couple of days. And I think I've done everything right. You know, I think I've taken the correct tests. I think I've uploaded the right documents. I genuinely have no idea. I will go to Heathrow and we will see, you know, I might still be here at the end of the day. Well, listen, the bottom line is more people are traveling. Uh, it's all about the process now. Not that much about the destination. We can't wait to go. But the subtext is, I don't know what I'm going to be accepted for. I don't know what I'm going to be exempt for. I don't want to go somewhere and get stuck and not get home, so maybe I just won't go. That's what I'm hearing. And that's the biggest problem. The amount of grit this has thrown in the machinery of global commerce. I mean, when I'm not even getting into the massive size of the travel and tourism industry, okay? Just families cannot see each other. Businesses are struggling because they cannot sort of go about and do the things that businesses need to do. It's slowing everything down. All of us, exactly as you described, are thinking twice. Do I really want to deal with all this hassle for a weekend trip to Spain or just a week in the U.S.? Maybe it's easier to just stay at home. And at what point, uh, we're talking to Leah Morani from The Economist, at what point do the economic consequences take precedent and force people into common sense decision? Uh, Peter, if only it were that simple. I mean, at the end of the day, it's politics, right? And you you can't do things, no matter how sensible they are, if it's going to annoy a lot of your electorate. So I think this is going to be a long, drawn-out process. Here's my personal view. This is not a reported view. It's just my personal analysis of how things are going. I think 2022 will continue to be hard. 2021 was in many ways worse than last year. Last year, when the pandemic started and after the first few lockdowns, it was still relatively easy to get around the world. This year with Delta, it became a lot harder. I think next year will be a process of slowly reopening. Also, to come back to your question about when does common sense and the economics take over, we're already seeing this happen in some countries, specifically Asian countries. Thailand, after you know pretty, pretty uh, strict restrictions, is now allowing people from some 60-odd countries to come in without quarantine. Other Southeast Asian countries are doing the same. My thanks to Leo. Short staffing, longer hours, planes out of position and crews out of sequence. And the airlines say they are now hiring. But will it be too little too late? Pilot Greg Morris with the report. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Peter. How are you? I'm doing okay. So let's first start out with staffing because the staffing issue was with us way before, you know, the holiday period. It was way before the summer. We have staffing issues at airlines, at airports, the TSA, hotels, restaurants. But as it applies to your profession, you know, we saw what happened a couple of weeks ago with the American Airlines meltdown. It happened to Southwest. It happened to Spirit. And then what I've seen in the last couple of weeks is American trying to do two things at once. One, removing a lot of the routes that they announced. At last count, American had reduced their flight schedules by 26 cities. United pulled back on 10, actually 11, but then they added one back. Delta's removing some as well. That's part A. And part B, of course, is they still have to deal with a staffing issue. And on the staffing issue, you know, as recently as what, last week, American was offering some wild bonus to their pilots to come back and work over the holidays, which the pilots union rejected. Fill me in. How bad is this uh, holiday season going to be? 
Well, you know, I've always said I wish I had that crystal ball, but apparently I don't have. And people in my industry wish they had that same crystal ball. So as far as uh, where things are going and, and what things are going to look like by the end of the holiday season, it's still a little bit murky in that fictitious crystal ball. I mean, the airlines are scrambling to meet rising demand in, in an awakening world as we approach the extremely busy travel period. TSA numbers are back to nearly where they were pre-pandemic-wise in 2019. So we're looking at just domestically 1.6 to over 2 million passengers traveling through the system every day. But yeah, the meltdowns have occurred straight across the board, particularly most recently the American and Southwest. And incentive bonus holiday pay and incentive programs have been put forth for some of the work groups. Like you said, Peter, the flight attendants have at American a incentive program in place. The pilots do not. Southwest was able to in- implement incentive programs throughout the holiday, throughout all their work groups. How's that going to play out? It's still unclear. American got to me through their PR department uh, this afternoon, and they are touting the fact that you know, 1,800 American Airlines flight attendants are now back from their leave this month. Another 800 American flight attendants expected back by the end of December. In addition, 600 new hire flight attendants. Southwest touting also big bursts in hiring. We, they work through the fall and the holiday period. So how's it going to play out? I, it's unclear. I guess we're, we're all holding our breath. You know, you got to remember, Peter, that a lot of these work groups are also negotiating contracts long term. And, and, and that's always a tricky, a tricky feat. It is. It is. But, you know, the question is, do we, do we survive the holidays? But even more than that, do we survive the rest of this year? Because what we're talking about is, you know, all these foreign flyers who are coming in who are fully vaccinated, taking a normally slow month of November and December, with the exception of Thanksgiving, through the roof in terms of numbers. So how do we get through all this? Yeah, well, you know, um, so look at what Delta uh, put forth when I approached them to put this segment together. Delta's executive team, their CEO says that they're taking a measured approach to rebuild the Delta network. Um, They claim they're not going to grow their network any bigger or any faster than the perceived demand on the horizon. And they, they were pointing to the pitfalls that you noted at American and Southwest. United also this afternoon told me the same thing. They're going to take a similar approach, carefully matching their network growth with the anticipated demand, which is why everybody has really come to the realization that the staffing isn't quite where they had anticipated it would be. And so they've scaled back uh, on some of the routes to kind of uh, try and avoid some of the negative headlines that uh, made a splash recently with American and Southwest. I gotcha. But still, you know, reducing those flights cuts out service to a lot of cities that used to go through their hubs, and now they're disenfranchised. It's, it's sort of a mess. It goes back to what you and I talked about a couple of months ago when every airline flooded the zone to, you know, to Bozeman, Montana, um, and uh, you know, 200,000 200, seats a month into that small town which only has about 250 hotel rooms. It didn't make any sense. And of course, it was inevitable that they'd start pulling out as soon as they, put, as soon as they showed up. And it's a, little, it's a little bit of doublespeak. So United says that they're going to match uh, 
you know, growth with demand, but they also said that 88% uh, is where they're going to be of their flying when compared to 2019 to November, and they're going to be up to 91% of their domestic capacity compared to 2019 uh, moving into the Christmas holiday period. So uh, I, I'm a little bit worried um, and, and remain cautiously optimistic that the executive teams and the logistics and planning teams uh, are in sync with uh, the uh, what they need to do as far as ensuring that routing matches staffing. Well, you know what? It didn't happen very well two years ago, three years ago, or four years ago. I have no idea why I would believe it would happen now. You couple that with rising fuel prices, rising airfare prices, and where we are right now, Fares are at historic lows in Europe. What a great time to come overseas and avoid the mess. Otherwise, we're all going to be in a remake of planes, trains, and automobiles in just a couple of days. And, and, you know, traditionally, we used to look at uh, fuel prices and traditional markers. Now, we also have to look at things like uh, vaccine mandates. You know, uh, know, United CEO Scott Kirby um, made a strong move in implementing the vaccination mandate before the federal mandate to vaccinate came down on the other airlines, right? He said he was going to take that measure to ensure that everyone was safe traveling. And that includes uh, the customers at United and the working group, but the other companies, uh, Delta, uh, Southwest American, right. They're, 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 they're implementing a vaccination deadline with a work group. That's not entirely on board with that vaccination mandate. So that's another um, unknown in, in terms All of I how that's going to play out. My thanks to Greg. The chaos that ensued in travel during the pandemic allowed the law of unintended consequences to work once again. This time it proved the worth of travel agents in more ways than one. Matthew Upchurch, the CEO of Virtuoso, has a real-time update on the resurgence of the travel advisor. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Hi, Peter. Good to see you again. So, you and I share something, uh, among other things, So, in the interest of full disclosure, that 21 years ago, we were both here at the Hotel Imperial in Vienna when uh, your group changed its name, uh, which, was a, which was a sort of a watershed moment for you, to Virtuoso, and it, it really started putting you on the map. Yeah, you know, it was one of those things where I had been serving this network of travel advisors for 13 years by then. And in the late 90s, you know, everybody was saying, all the pundits were saying that travel agents are dinosaurs, everything's going to go online. And I'm like, wait a minute, but isn't this the generation that invented the personal chef, the personal shopper, the personal trainer? I said, look, there may, there'll be a lot of stuff that goes online, but real, true travel advising, travel designing, I didn't think so. And so for me, I'd been really frustrated. And, you know, API travel consultants wasn't exactly the most evocative 
evocative name of a of a group, API. In fact, API turned out to be the uh, gasoline stations in Italy. I just thought they were an electrical contractor. <laughs> I, what did I Or know? the Alaska Psychiatric Institute or I have all kinds of them. But we ended up deciding really quite frankly at the last minute. We I did not know that our name was to be Virtuoso. We had a one of our executives that actually came up with it. And I approved the name change uh, New Year's Eve of 1999. And uh, the next meeting that we had on the books was Vienna. So I have enough West Coast in me to say the stars aligned and everything, whatever, because can you imagine what better city in the world to rebrand yourself as virtuoso uh, than Vienna? And, uh, you know, and we did it because we wanted a, we wanted a name that, that really shone a spotlight on the definition of it, right? It's obviously most uh, credited with music, but if you look up the definition, it means somebody at the top of their art. And I always felt that, you know, that what our virtuous advisors today are, you know, they're not processors, they're not bookers, they're they're especially in the art of travel, which is all the nuances, the design, the pacing, the all those types of things. You know, I'm still hearing from people, and and I'm uh, I still I guess I'm still surprised by it when they say, "Oh, travel agents, I thought they died," and I go, "Where have you been?" Uh, if anything proved the value of travel agents, it was the pandemic. Yeah, and you know, it, it, part of it is some of these things just you know some of these things die hard, right? I mean, they, they take a long time. Part of it is because we've always used certain terms that sometimes are over-encompassing. I mean, you had, and I even have a hard time sometimes saying it because it's like they were very decent people doing a lot of the, what we would call the regular travel agent work was what, you know, just making, basically Processing booking, a ticket. Processing tickets. Well, yeah, that, that goes away with DIY and the internet, et cetera, et cetera. But well, the you, actual design. You, you were the victim at one point, at least the industry was, of the convergence of technology and perception. Mm-hmm. Because people said, well, if, you, if I can do it online, mm-hmm. then I guess I can do everything online. Right. And I look, this is not the first time my audience has heard me say this. I'm, I'm the biggest fan of a conversation. And, and by the way, the people yeah. who work for me, I have to right. like beat them over the head to say, no, you don't stand in line, you talk to somebody. Right. You don't go online right. unless, unless you want to research somebody's phone right. number to call them. Right. Well, and also, what, what again, the, the misnomer here is I also think that there is a couple of things that, you know, people used to think, well, people who go to travel agents because they don't know any better, right? They don't know how to research, whatever. No, actually, we serve some of the best traveled, most connected, you know, worldly people in the world. They're the ones that actually use it because they realize that, a really good travel advisor today is a collaborator, right? So you know a lot of stuff. I know a lot of stuff. But my job is to, like, follow up. Who's a, You may know this hotel or you may know that hotel. I know the GM. We spend literally tens of thousands of hours a year networking our travel advisors with the best product, you know, the best hotels, the best people all over the world so that it's not only do I know that product, but I actually know the people that are running it. But it's not just hotels. No, hotels, cruise lines, you know, safari companies, outfitters, all kinds of people all over the world. And I've always said, you know, you can't take the human out of humanity. If I have a personal relationship with you and then I send you a client, you know, there's just something, it changes the way people travel. Of course, the one area that you didn't mention was airlines. They need all the help in the world. Um, I mean, I really, I mean, and by the way, I wish I had better relations with the airlines because I can't keep up with, because, um, you know, here we are in, in Vienna, and I want to talk to somebody at Austrian Airlines, they don't even get back to you. Mm. Uh, I want to talk to somebody at British Airways, they don't get back to you. Um, it's sort of like, are the, and, and that creates a real problem 
for all of your clients. It creates a problem for me because are the airlines in the travel business or are they in the human cargo business? And I think they have to come to grips with that because at a certain point, when you want to realize why airlines fail, Mm -hmm. it's when they start making decisions based on that. Well, I think, you know, for us, we have relationships with them and we do use the technology and it's being able to. So a lot of times the reason that, you know, our advisors is, they, they do a lot of DIY technology, and a lot of advisors just are better at knowing all the tricks and things that you need to do and waivers and favors and things like that. I'll give you a great online example that happened to me just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was flying from Los Angeles to San Francisco, 38-minute flight. Of course, the airline schedules it for an hour and a half, but it's a 38-minute flight. I booked that one online because it was yeah. 98 bucks. Who cares? My camera guy wanted to fly on Southwest. I was on American. He books it. On Southwest, and his round trip was like 130 bucks. Fine, great. It's a six o'clock in the morning flight for me, a seven o'clock in the morning flight for him. Uh, right, both going to San Francisco. At 2:30 in the morning, uh, I get an email from Southwest saying they've canceled his flight. I immediately tell him, and I said, "Look, just book yourself on the American flight and go with me." So I said, "Get him on the phone." He doesn't go on the phone. He goes online. Now, Matthew, I'm not making this up. I'm going to talk about it later in the show. He goes online and is shocked. The only fare he can get on a 38-minute flight from Los Angeles to San Francisco on the flight I'm already on comes across online as $1,624. That's it. I said, no, pick up the phone because the algorithms in their computer system realize if it's a last-minute flight, uh, gouge them, right? But if you call somebody on the phone, the inventory that they're looking at on their screen or your or your travel advisor is looking at on their screen right. is completely different. Well, I mean, those algorithms are are generated to maximize revenue, and you know they're they're probably thinking that's you know a business person and needs to go last minute. So, um, I mean, that's no that that's the way the, the the system works. But again, that's why having travel advisors that know what they're doing, what they've done, knowing the t- you know tricks and things about all that type of stuff helps out a lot. Of course, the real definition of service and great quality of service is not in the delivery of the service, it's in the recovery. Recovery. And so if the, you know what hits the fan and you have a hurricane coming right. in or you have a pandemic right. or you have civil disturbance, that's where your guys excel because mm-hmm. they not only have to get you out, they, they still want to be able to save the day and get mm-hmm. you somewhere else. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, during the, I mean the, 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 the number of stories about what our advisors did when the pandemic hit you know, are incredible. I mean, the hours they stayed up all night, all the things they do, repatriating clients, doing all some stuff is, is, is And amazing. they didn't get paid for that. No, they didn't get paid for that. And in fact, uh, um, you know, but that's, but good travel advisors, they don't look at it as a transaction. They look at it as lifetime value of a client, right? They, the relationship, the referrals they get. Um, but I will say this uh, very openly. I've actually told our advisors this is also a time because it's pretty stressful to be, you know, to be an advisor right now with all the protocols and all this stuff, whatever. So I also, you know, also say make sure that you actually deal with clients that really appreciate what you do. A lot of great advisors today do charge fees and they do, you know, do some things like that. But we also want to make sure that that you've got to have a relationship with your advisor that is, that is, you know, rational and respectful. <laughs> yes, and if the if the audience thinks. And we'll talk about that a little later. But if the audience thinks that they have to go to their wallet to breathe, if the audience thinks that it's not about the fee that you charge, mm-hmm. right? But if the audience thinks that they 
you know, it's the, the resort fee or the destination fee, for lack of a better word. All of a sudden, a five-star hotel, just when they do that, becomes a four-star hotel. Mm. Or a four-star becomes a three-star. Mm. And what I'm seeing out there now is a lot of three-star hotels bringing back that dreaded resort fee or the destination fee. And the audience is now speaking with their wallet. Yep. They're going, great. I'm not staying at the three-star. I'm either dropping down to one or I'm moving up to five. Yeah, exactly. That makes... But you know that that brings me back to the whole thing about like what you would say, you know, and and uh, you know the 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 things that advisors charge for nowadays. Um, I've always felt that Warren Buffett had the best quote: "Price is what you pay, value is what you get." You know, over the years, as I've seen, you know, the online revolution, and you know, you get information and everything. What stresses our customers out, what stresses people out today, is not the answer I was able to find. Is what, what question did I not ask? And again, that goes to, you know, that is part of the, the value. When you work with a really good collaborative type travel advisor, it's those questions. A lot of times we train, a lot of times our training for our advisors, whether it's a destination or a type of product like cruising or adventure or whatever, a lot of the training is what are the right questions to ask the customer to allow them to make informed decisions. It's like if you're going online, as an example, mm -hmm. to get a hotel room, What's the first thing you see that gets your attention? The rate. Okay, most people are dissatisfied by that. They got the answer. They based their decision on that rate, but they forgot to ask the questions, which, by the way, you cannot ask online. Right. Can my kids stay free? Will you throw in free wireless? Right. Would you get rid of those $2 or those two $9 bottles of water? Right. What about parking? Where can I go to get X? Who do I know to be able to check in late or, or check out late? None of those things, you can't get that online. Plus... It's the insurance that comes up. You can't complete the transaction unless you opt in or out, opt out of the insurance. You have no idea what you're covered for. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what you're not covered mm -hmm. for. That's where the travel advisors come in because at least you can ask them the questions and then get the mm -hmm. answers you really needed. Right. And here's the other side. We don't deal with everybody. You know, the number one uh, in all my years of representing travel advisors, the number one, quote unquote, I gotcha. Uh, has always been, well, don't travel agents actually and travel advisors deal with the people that give them the most commission? No, actually the opposite is true <laughs> because we're dealing with some of the most sophisticated, well-informed, internet-savvy consumers in the history of the planet. It's exactly the opposite. We deal with the people that actually deliver time and time again, the people who, when something goes, you know, it's travel. It's not if something goes wrong, when something goes wrong. <laughs> How do they fix it? Yeah. And therefore, when we go back to those people, we're able to get better service, do more business, and therefore, that's how we make a living because we don't try to deal with every single, everybody that's out there. We really spend a lot of time focusing on having the right, the right partners. And of course, hotels, airlines, cruise lines, safari companies don't really survive <laughs> because you went once. They survive because you come back. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So wh what's going on now? Because, you know, we're all talking about service. You have one big hotel chain that says, you know what, we're thinking of eliminating housekeeping because our, our guests tell us they don't want it. What, what would they have been smoking? Well, I think what's going to be interesting is there are some pandemic-induced <laughs> pandemic excuses. I think there's... I, I call it pandemic-induced accountant orgasms. <laughs> Because Well, you can get away with that. I can't. <laughs> yeah, but you're laughing because you agree with me because they're using the pandemic as an excuse. And, such. and I understand why, yeah, because yeah. they have staffing issues, et cetera. Yeah. But you can't just cut service and then not adjust your price, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the point is, if you're not going to charge, if you're not going to have housekeeping, then why am I paying this rate? If you don't drop your rate, then you do, do you make housekeeping a la carte? 
I mean, it changes the nature of hospitality. Right. Well, and I think, you know, I think you're going to have some short-term and then longer-term, you know, perspectives here. I mean, you know, brands, you know, you'll have some short-term situations where there'll, there'll be, you know, look at some of the, the, the rates in the U.S. because, you know, Europe wasn't open. And so, you're, you know, some of the rates in some of the U.S. cities and some of the places up, were, were just astronomical because law of supply and demand. But as things start to normalize and open up, you know, I think some of these practices, one of the things that we always tell our, our property, uh, our hotels is, you know, do one of two things. Either only provide, you know, only open up the amount of inventory that you can really handle at that level of service or be really transparent about what is going on right. and what will be there and allow there. It's not about whether it happens. It's just how do you adjust? How do I adjust and let me know about it? Let me right. make an informed condition. And that's the problem I'm seeing everywhere. You know, I remember during the beginning of the pandemic, mm -hmm. if you remember these words, we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. What happened to those words, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a staffing problem and you have no housekeeping, you only have one person working in the restaurant, you can't do room service, all you have to do is tell yeah. us. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are, have actually been, you know, really great about that as long as they know about it. Right. And that's the problem is they don't really tell yeah. you. Yeah. I know, and and it gets worse because they then want to continue to charge charge the yeah. same rate, and you know I don't need a yeah. calculator to figure out the basic math concepts yeah. here. Well, the other thing, you know, you made me think of something that I, I hadn't I haven't actually talked about in a long time, but it reminded me of something that actually we actually have some data that shows that the overall satisfaction, like for example, something like a safari, right? Something a little more complicated, but even in simpler things, where when you had a really good advisor. And they really, truly gave you a debrief. Like, I love Africa, right? It's one of my favorite destinations. There are these things called titsy flies that hurt when they bite you. I just want to know about them, right? And it's interesting that when you have an advisor that is able to kind of really tell you the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, what ended up happening is the overall satisfaction rate of up. customers was better when they had an advisor because when they did everything online and everything was rosy and wonderful and da 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 da, da I have to deal with those anticipated. I don't. I can't anticipate. Therefore, they're got you. Whereas if I already know about them, it's like eh, I, I knew I was getting into this. My thanks to Matthew, to Greg Morris, and to Leo Morani, and my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, just travel over to petergreenberg.com. Special thanks to our sponsors at Clear. Enroll in Clear at clearme.com slash Peter and zip through busy airports nationwide. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. 
Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Van Sant from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 